Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadge Assad, and with me, as always, is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings to everyone. If this is the first time you're listening to our podcast, thank you for trying something new. And you clearly won't have anything to complain about in terms of our uh, release schedule, right, Ben? No, nothing at all. Everything no. is totally normal. The So I know last week we talked about we were going to be in the same city and we were going to be recording in the same city. And we had. And there that. might have been weird energy if we were going to do that. Yeah, and, that's and it what had happened, been really. like a couple of years since we'd done that. And and uh, it didn't happen. Let's just say it didn't happen. A lot of stuff, other stuff happened and it got in the way and it, it just wasn't possible to schedule it. So we're a couple of days late with this podcast and we hope everyone uh, accepts our apologies and is understanding of of that. This is the internet where everyone is understanding. That yeah, is the voice the of my, that is the voice of my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Ben, tell them where they can find your latest work. Sure, uh, you can find my work on uh, Motor Trend. Where actually, the most recent article was about whether you can be pub- be buried in your car when you die. So, if you're curious about that, check it out. Um, like willingly buried in your car. Yeah, right? not like not like okay. voodoo style, like buried in car and then rising again. But like you're totally dead and and you want a car shaped coffin. So okay, uh, it turns out that the answer is yes, maybe you can, uh, but it really depends where you live. And how much money you're willing to throw at this particular problem. Um, but you can also find my work at Car Driver at Driving Line at Haggerty and at Inside Hook. And you can find my work at Autotrader.ca, Driving.ca, Nouveau Magazine, and TechSpot. Ben, we've got some pretty cool cars to talk about this week, including an enthusiast-oriented model that you drove. And I can't wait to hear your thoughts on it. Go for it, man. Yeah, so I finally got to drive the 2022 Hyundai Elantra N. And this is a vehicle I've been excited about for a long time because I am a hardcore Veloster N fan. I think that the Veloster N is the most fun hatchback out there. And the Elantra N takes essentially the Veloster N drivetrain, puts it in the sedan, like a compact sedan body, and really spruces up the interior, which is something that the Veloster N was lacking. So uh, I, I'm all about all of those things I just said, Sammy. So it seems like you've summed up the entire review in that one sentence. And I guess we'll move on, right? <laughs> well, it's it's cool because the Veloster N was a controversial, super weird car. Hyundai well, basically... because it's asymmetrical door setup. Well, it's strange because N was the, you know, N is the performance division of Hyundai, and they decided to debut that with a car that, I mean, I'm not going to say it was unpopular, but it was not a universally enjoyed vehicle, and because of its weird three-door styling, it kind of, you know, it definitely stood out. I'm going to ask you to walk back that statement. I think the people who got a Veloster love their Veloster, and the people who didn't get a Veloster didn't care. For, and I, I don't think know. that I, I don't wasn't think... like it wasn't liked. It just was really popular with its crowd. No, I think I I think people did care. I think that it was kind of a target for fun for people who wanted to just mock it because oh, it has three doors and it's weird. I think it stood out from the mainstream. And I don't uh, think anyone noticed except for those who cared. All right. Well. Okay, well, I noticed. Um, yeah, well, you're an enthusiast, and so you're somebody who would care, I suppose. Right? Anyway, the, the Veloster N was a lot of fun to drive because, unlike other hot hatches, it's not very buttoned down. It was a raucous car. It mm-hmm. was engaging. It made all the right noises. Mm-hmm. It was not necessarily the fastest option out there, but I found it was the most fun to drive. And for me, that's the most important thing. 
I don't yeah. no trophy for me at the end of the day after turning in a hot lap. Um, it's just something that I want to enjoy driving. And the Velocity N gave me all of that. It was very reasonably priced. I believe it was right around thirty thousand, and I think it could go up to like thirty five. It was it was in that that range. So you're like you're like midway between a GTI and a Golf R, and yeah. it had great power. And uh, it's also on its way out. It's done. It's this is the last year. They they killed the regular Veloster mm-hmm. last year. It was just N, and now we've learned that this is the final year for the Veloster N. So that's sad. But in its place is this Elantra N, and the Elantra N is really, really, really good. It's it's not as I would say unbridled. As the How Veloster. many reallys was that? We need to have a scale here. What it is? was three, and there's no scale. It was three. Is Pod- there three out of how many? Podcasting how many is to? not a visual medium, so I don't think we have to worry too much about that. But moving on, um, the Elantra N is very fun to drive, if not as unhinged as... Sorry, the, the Elantra N, not the Veloster N, is, is fun to drive, not as unhinged as its predecessor, but I think that's going to be in its favor. Because when I look at the compact sedan market right now, for, for compact performance cars specifically, what is there out there? There's the SI, which is essentially, let's stop talking about it, because it's not in the same league as the Elantra N. There is the GLI, which is a car that has kind of ballooned into a weird sort of small luxury car that's not really a luxury car, but it's positioned that way, so it's it's not as engaging as it could be, I think. Okay. Would you agree okay. with that? Yeah, I think it, it ends up not being a performance car and more into a like a, a premium car kind yeah, of. Yeah, that's what that's kind of what they want. And then there's an, the, un, an unfinished premium car something. And then there's the WRX, which is all wheel drive and has kind of a rally attitude and it's kind of pushed itself into a weird crossover territory with its latest redesign. I haven't driven it yet, but it certainly looks a little strange. So I'm, I, I would think that the Elantra N is kind of the only game in town if you're looking for pure front wheel drive performance. Yeah. And I always think that's a, that's an interesting, um, approach to a performance vehicle. I always think that those are a little bit compromised. Um, and with front wheel drive performance vehicles, you end up getting a little bit of torque steer and a little bit of like unsavory characteristics sometimes. But in recent years, those kind of feelings have kind of waned. I think we have more technology that helps negate some of the uh, unrefined attitudes for these performance vehicles. Would you agree with me on that? Yeah, I think they've done a good job of trying to dial it out as much as they can. Um, the Elantra N is pretty well behaved until you don't want it to be. It's got 276 horsepower, 278 pound-feet of torque. That's from a turbocharged 2-liter engine. Okay. I drove the 6-speed manual version of the car. There is an automatic version. I think it's an 8-speed DCT. The okay. DCT car gives you uh, an overboost mode. Uh, for I think 20 seconds, and it's another 10 horsepower. Um, it's not really, it's more of a gimmick than anything else, but it's a fun gimmick. But, um, that's more horsepower than the, than the Veloster N, which was, oh, sorry, uh, yeah, I think it's more horsepower than the Veloster N had. Okay. Uh, just, just a few. And it's, it's a little bit more torque as well. So I guess they've massaged the motor somewhat. Uh, but it's also more horsepower than the, the WRX and the GLI, cars that we've already mentioned. And I'm not even going right. to talk about the, the SI. I don't think the SI is in this conversation. It's a naturally aspirated engine. Or, no, it's not anymore. Sorry. No, it's not. It's the 1.5 turbo. Yeah, it's okay. It's not But it's, it's like what? It's not rowdy anymore. It, it's it reminds me of the GLI now. Well, it's 200 horsepower, right? I think it's a little bit more than that. But not much more. No. So we're but looking... It, but like mannerism-wise, it's... Fun for the street, and that's it, right? Like, it's not a car that you'd want, if you ever did want to take it on a track, you really wouldn't want it on the track. Yeah. While these, the N always feels like it's, like, 
it's a bit more track ready. The um, what was the other cards you mentioned? The WRX. Well, maybe not the track, but you can handle it definitely off road on a on a trail or something if you want. Well, not a trail either, but. You know what I'm saying? It, it looks like it would handle some snow and mud really nice. It's it's much closer to I th- say the Elantra and is much closer to the Civic Type R in terms of which is like 300 yeah. horsepower. You know, which so is, yeah, exactly, just 300 horsepower, and that's like less than 30 away from what you've got in the in the Elantra. So that feels pretty nice. There's also that new Toyota Corolla coming, um, which is an all-wheel drive manual. Um, but that that's a hatchback. So that is a hatchback. I guess the, I guess the Type R is also a hatchback. Yeah, okay. and the SI. But they're like no, the SI is a sedan. It's a sedan. Okay, you're right. They have a hatchback version of the that that doesn't make that much power. So zero to sixty in this car is like just a bit over five seconds. Um, The DCT is obviously quicker, but I was really impressed by the six speed. It it felt great. It was the clutch take up was easy. Um, I never, I I I had no issues finding each um, each gear when I was shifting quickly. Right. I don't think it has launch control. It might have launch control. I know the DCT does. I didn't use launch control with this car because with a front-wheel drive car like this, like you mentioned earlier, it's really easy to overload the front tires. So I don't really know how much that that's part of I, – I don't know if drag racing is really part of the Elantra's experience. What <laughs> I liked about it was just – it felt like a fluid speed experience. It was easy to drive quickly. Um, the, it has multiple drive modes, like every car has to have these days. There's like two buttons mm-hmm. on the steering wheel that give you end mode, and then you can you can change things like suspension response, the L- the limited slip differential response, the exhaust note, the throttle tip in, all that stuff, the steering weight, and you can set up two different versions of that. And there's also like normal driving modes, like regular. I guess it's called comfort. There's eco and then there's sport. So I was almost always in N. Okay. Um, I kept the exhaust loud. It sounded good, but again, not as crazy as the Velocitran, maybe because you're a little farther away from the exhaust. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit of a bigger car. But uh, putting aside how it drives, which is great, it, it's fun. It's, it is a car I enjoyed much more than I thought I would. Um, I was looking forward to it, but it kind of surpassed my expectations. But really inside the car, it's quite nice. Way better than the Veloster, which was feeling kind of worn out in terms of its visual styling. The Velociran wasn't really that different from the regular Veloster. It was pretty much the same gear. And uh, when you're in the Elantra N, it feels upscale. And the exterior is aggressive enough to kind of match that vibe. So it's priced at like thirty two grand, which I think is a sweet spot for the car. It's it's expensive for a compact sedan, but for a performance car, it's it's right on the money. And it's really easy to drive normally if you don't feel like driving like a madman. So you know, I realize – I don't know if I'm kind of skimming over it, but I, I, I liked this car. I think it's a great value proposition from Hyundai. I think it's a great uh, – if you're handing the torch from the Veloster to the Elantra N. Yeah. Which you're not really doing because it's a car we're going to talk about next week where they're actually throwing the torch directly. And I feel a little less enthusiastic about that. Interesting. Um, but I think the Elantra N is a great successor. I think that's fair to say, um, and, I, and I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are on whatever's happening next week. Um, I was supposed to get the Elantra N as well, but um, you're going to laugh at this. They, uh, the Hyundai had taken a couple of the press units out for a track day and uh, did not want to put them back on our fleet without um, replacing the tires. Now, the tires on these, on these vehicles are pretty special, I think. They're like uh, Michelin Pilot Sport 4S's. And uh, it turns out they couldn't find new tires. There is some supply chain issues when it comes to tires right now. And I yeah. couldn't get my hands on it. 
Now, you drove this car with the right tires, everything going on nicely with it. Is there anything you want to talk to me about that performance with tires as well? Not really. I mean, Not really? You don't think they made any difference? You think if we just threw in some uh, zones or okay. I'm sure they made a difference, but I don't, you know, there's nothing about those <clears throat> tires particularly that stands out to me. I mean, it's, it's a very fast street tire. Yeah. You know, so great. I'm glad they're on the car, but it's not, uh, it's not, it's not out of, out of keeping with what you would find on other vehicles in this class. I guess and then the other thing I wanted to talk to you about is I know it's, it's, it, it is going to come across as apples to oranges, but when the Veloster N first came out, did you take it on track? No, I didn't. Or was that just the Veloster Turbo or something? I I don't I don't think I've had any Veloster on a track. Really? I might have. I I don't remember to be honest. I might have taken a Veloster N on the track locally, but I'd have to okay. go back and check my notes. I don't remember. Like that was four or five years ago. Okay, I I seem to recall. I think the, there was a Veloster N track event, and people were quite enthusiastic about how um, it performed. And if the running gear is so similar. And uh, if, if other features, including the brakes and the tires, are, are at that same level, it seems like the Elantra N is far more track-capable than those other vehicles that you mentioned in its class, save for maybe that um, that one that's in the tier above, like the, the Golf R or the... Uh, or the the Civic Type R, which are both hatchbacks. Yeah, I wouldn't put the stand. Golf I wouldn't put the Golf R in there because it's so much more expensive and it's also all wheel drive and it's a hatch. I think all those things right. kind of pull it out of the. Okay, it so out. it's a different class altogether. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I think that's really that's really cool. What you said about the interior, I think, is is fairly obvious. I think the Veloster and uh, the Veloster's biggest drawback was its interior. It never quite felt like. Uh, not even premium. It never quite felt refined in the inside. And the new Elantra has a much more attractive um, um, interior, which is great. Does this thing have, like, drive modes or, like, a special end button or something? Yeah, I, I actually spoke about that, like, five Sorry, minutes ago. Sorry. Like, I guess I, you I, spaced I, out during that. When I, was thinking about your, I was thinking about the track day stuff and the tire stuff, and I missed a little bit about your, about your end mode. And does that make it really feel like a dual-purpose car? Does it feel – or, like, what I mean to say is – in order, for, in order for you to have fun, do you need to put it in that end mode, and then, you know, the car's a little too wild. And no, then I don't think this car. I don't think this car is too wild. I think it's okay. It's not like the Veloster in that way. Okay, cool. And I like that then because I do like a car that has that sort of. It can be sedate. It can feel like a normal car um, on the everyday commute. And then when you when you have a little bit of extra space or a, a windy road or a track day, you can hit that end button and enjoy it in a different way. So I guess moving on to um, what you drove, Sammy, which I think is kind of the, the opposite end of the spectrum of this vehicle. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. Um, a very capable vehicle as well. I drove the new Hyundai Genesis, actually, not Hyundai, the new Genesis GV60, which is a Korean uh, luxury car company. It's been around for five years. Hopefully our, re- our listeners know what Genesis is these days. And we've been very impressed with Genesis's Genesis? Genocide? Genocide. Uh, with their offerings ever since they came out. But the GV60 is uh, is a different vehicle, a different class, something that is kind of um, still finding its footing in terms of a segment um, because it's an all-electric, I think crossover is the best way to describe it. It's based on the same platform as the Ionic 5 and the Kia EV6. Which are vehicles um, that we've talked about pretty extensively, I think. And we're both fans of those vehicles, correct? Yes, absolutely. And so that means that you're, you're expecting a lot from the, the GV60, um, to deliver. 
And I'm, uh, I'm really having a difficult time thoroughly enjoying that car. I don't know what it is about this. Maybe because I did drive the Ionic, I did drive the EV, uh, or you drove the EV6, and we came across very impressed. And the Ionic 5 does the same things. Yeah, so what um, about it is it, disappointing it adds, specifically? It, not disappointing. I don't want to say disappointing. That's, that's, I want to make sure that's clear. It's not disappointing. Um, but I think one of the most difficult parts of Genesis is every time we drive a Genesis model, we say to ourselves, wow, they really did one attention to de- this one attention to detail, this detail better than the competition, or they added an extra bit. With the GV60, they added a lot of stuff, which feels to me a little bit unnecessary, a little bit strange. And I'm not sure that they over, overwhelmingly enhance the ownership experience. They come, sometimes they feel a little bit gimmicky. Um, and I've complained about this in the past with other, with other luxury vehicles like BMW. Um, but I think Genesis might be falling into that trap a little bit. But the advantage here is that at least Genesis does not charge you a whole lot of money for those gimmicks and those extra features. The GV60 starts at a really modest price of like 58, almost $59,000 for a luxury vehicle. And then the model I drove, which was the, um, performance all wheel drive model, is about uh, $9,000 more and costs just under $68,000. So what are you getting for that extra $9,000? You get a you get about 115 more horsepower. Altogether this performance model has 429 429 horsepower. It also had a boost mode which um increases the horsepower a sig- I don't know if it's a significant amount but something insane. Like it honestly it was unbelievable. Um, so I have to, I have to talk, let's talk about performance, right? This is, this is the difference between the EV6 and the, um, Ionic 5 and this car. With 429 horsepower, it sounds like relatively mundane, but there is something about that boost mode. And the boost mode lasts for 10 seconds. You will not need it for 10 seconds. That's how I can, that's how I can describe it to you. You will hit this button. The car will take off silently. The strangest feeling in the world. Your butt will be imprinted into that seat, and um, in five seconds you'll be wondering, like, is there a top speed of this vehicle? Um, how how much more horizon is there? And uh, it is really, it's actually t- a little bit terrifying. Everybody um, I showed this boost mode to, the passengers that I've showed this boost mode to, they said they were left like it felt like a roller coaster, like when when you're left kind of breathless. Um, it really puts that kind of thrill into your body. And I think that's really impressive. That's probably the most impressive part of the GV60, um, in addition to its interior design, which I think is fairly nice. Um, really good cabin, nice, you know, layout, uh, for buttons, good screens here and there. Um, it has, but I, I do have to talk to you about these features and these gimmicks that I felt were a little, um, out of place. For right, example, so hit me with these. For example, when you, uh, turn off the vehicle, um, or turn on the vehicle, a little globe in the, um, in the center armrest or by where, where you would expect a gear selector to be flips over and presents the gear selector. Kind of uh, like Jaguar's rising shifter. Yeah. Kind of. Almost exactly like Jaguar's rising shifter thing, which, you know, I think it's been like, uh, 15 years since they debuted that, uh, that, that feature. I don't think anyone cares about that anymore, right? Does that mean anything to anybody? I don't think, and there's always these concerns about, 
you know, if the car breaks or if that feature stops working, if the motors in there get a little... That's the first uh, thing I think of. Whenever I see, like, uh, something that's motorized that doesn't need to be motorized, my first concern is, how much is this going to cost me when it inevitably fails? And, yeah, I think we're, we're skeptical, maybe, but I, too, feel the same way. I was like, I don't know why that needs to be in there. Second, it has... Um, extra biometric sensors. There is a face, facial recognition on the outside of the vehicle okay. so that... You know how yeah. I feel about that. Right off. I know exactly right off how you feel. I know exactly how you how feel about that. How far away from the vehicle can it recognize my face? I'm not sure. It, <laughs> you think it's going to catch you walking up to the car from across the parking this lot? This is what I like, don't oh, want. I don't so want to be just like... It's wh- going to be like a puppy waiting for you to come home. Just like if I'm walking by like 20 <laughs> feet away, is it going to know? Well, I mean, if you have your keys in your pocket, it's going to unlock anyway. What if right? I don't have my keys in my pocket? What if I'm just well, walking by problem. the car? <laughs> I, I, I don't think so. I think it takes a, a, a solid second to kind of recognize and take a look at you. I could not I, work this feature because you needed both keys in the car in order to turn on these, these features, these what? biometric features. Yes. I'm sorry. In order, to ena- in order to enable them. Both keys. Yeah. So it needs to be, like, unanimous for all of the key... Holders, I suppose, but I guess you can just have them, right? That's so strange. Is that because Because this this is essentially acting like a key? So, so I guess they don't want you to lend it to somebody who programs their face in and steals the car later. That's the only thing I can think of there. I guess that makes a ton of sense then. Um, The other feature, similar, is a fingerprint reader, which can turn on the vehicle um, and also turn like. Switch to your driver profile. Is this so on the outside of the vehicle? No, this is on the inside of the vehicle. Just How many fingers have to be inside the vehicle to a- activate this feature? Just the one, really. If you <clears throat> if you cut off your Genesis GV60 owning friend's finger, you should probably be able to get that feature. So work. that seems like they're really escalating things. <laughs> <laughs> what, by chopping people's fingers off? It's like you have to have or both keys. Or you mean keys. by having a finger, a finger in the car. You have to have both keys for the face thing, but the finger thing... Oh, no, it's get... the same thing. Finger thing, fingers, finger thing as well. Oh, man. So you weren't so able I, to use that I was that unable to use these features, which is really disappointing. But uh, they were they were explained to me as being revolutionary and cool when I'm like, I don't know. I don't think that is as big of a deal as you make it out to be. And I don't know if people are totally comfortable giving biometric data to their automaker, their friendly automaker, right? It does seem very unnecessary. I will say that. That's what I mean to say. That's what I mean to say. A little bit unnecessary. Same with... Um, features like, uh, you know, parking sensors. We've talked about this in the past. Um, the parking features or the parking cameras that make your, that put a 3D model, um, of the vehicle in the display. You don't you like can, that? You're against, you're against that? And you can spin the camera around to make it look like you're looking at the car from outside? Well, why would I spin the camera around? I don't have the time. I just need to park and go. No, this, I mean, you could do the, it's just so bizarre to me that it's like, this is what's outside of the car and I can just look out the window and see that. Okay. You know? I guess, but if you're in, like, a very tight spot or you're in a very large car, I find that camera to be very useful. But I, I never so, spin it around. I like that feature for – I like the overhead camera view for that, the bird's eye view camera for that. And then some cars show you sort of the wheels, which I think is really handy. But the, like, 3D model display that you can spin around and look at your car, I don't think is that useful. I don't think that ever ends up being useful at but all. But that's less terrifying than, like, me giving my <laughs> face to Genesis. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. It's not. A, I'm, I'm not running down the terrifying features list. Do I'm just you, talking about the weird things in the car. Do you know if that face is transmitted to a server somewhere or if it stays internally in the car? And if it stays internally in the car, how is it protected? 
I have no idea. That's a good question. I would imagine. Um, actually, I have no imagination on this. I really can't talk without really getting into trouble um, by saying something that that might not be true. Okay. But you're right. Obviously, um, if this is information that is either local, how do you keep that safe? Um, if it, the card is ever compromised, if you drop, well, even it off if the, the card is sold to somebody else, you know, exactly. like in the future, like is there a way to delete yourself from this car? And and how would you I, know? I think there is. I mean, I think a lot of cards come to reset nowadays, and that would reset those those same um, features. I'm hoping, but uh, that would be my my only explanation for that. Okay. Uh, on the other hand, there's also one more gimmick that I'm not sure works: is that the car does not have a rear wiper. Oh man! Um, well, that's the same with every single EV on that platform so far. On that platform, yeah. So, do you think this is a platform deficiency? Is that they can't mount a motor that? Uh, I think somewhere. <laughs> I think somewhere someone did a calculation, and it ca- it cost X amount for a wiper, and not installing the wiper saved Y amount, and they went with Y amount. So, as you know, it's summer, and there's a lot of birds flying around, and so when wait, a bird what? when a bird pooped on the back of the wait, car, wait, wait, no, no, no. Are yeah, you yeah. saying there are more birds in the summer than there are in the winter? No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that. It kind of sounds like that's what you're around. saying. Well, yeah, there are. They're, the birds fly south for the. What about penguins, dude? They don't come here, and they're not pooping on my car. But they exist in the winter. That's true. Very okay. true. Okay. I apologize to all of our penguin, fr- our friends of penguin listeners. That is not what I meant to say. Um, and, yeah, I was, and, and, and I just want to dive a little deeper into this. Are you saying birds don't poop in the winter? <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. They go five. <laughs> Five yeah, months without a bowel it. movement? Stop it. This is not fair. Um, so I just, obviously I there's, there's a big uh, poop stain on my wind, on my rear windshield. Can't wipe it. Can't do anything about it. Have to wipe it off with my hand uh, or with a, with a paper towel. I mean, humanity has come up with other solutions. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you shook my hand later that day. So, I mean. Oh, my goodness. What is up with this, right? I think it's a platform deficiency. I think there's a problem with the platform. Cannot handle the weight of, an, of, an, of a, um, a wiper motor. On I the think back it's of the silly vehicle. that there's no wiper. I will say this though: <laughs> my Jeep doesn't have a wiper either. My Grand Cherokee, sorry, my Grand okay. Cher- Cherokee, my Grand Wagoneer. Um, yes. They offered one starting in like 1989, and it was optional, I think. And it was awful. It was like a really bad. What do you mean? It just wasn't like wiping it, anything. It failed all the time, and it introduced another area that could rest. <laughs> of course. Yeah. So um, there's so a. So that's ways... what Genesis is avoiding. Well, I'm just saying exactly. What rear wipers are not always good. Uh, AMC and Chry- well, it was Chrysler at that point didn't have any idea any idea what they were doing with this old platform, and but it was like 30 years with no wiper, right? I don't yeah. really miss it in that vehicle, but in a modern vehicle, I feel like it's it's. It's kind of de rigueur. You need to have that in there. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about more gimmicks. Now, I told you that this car has a ton of power, has this boost mode, can pass any – it feels like it can pass at any really normal like, speed you would drive at. And you love boost. You're always talking I about love, boost. Yeah, I guess so. I'm always talking about boost. Um, another feature it has, which I'm not quite as sold on, is a drift mode. Okay. Do you really think a, like, 4,000-pound-plus vehicle – Needs a drift mode? Is this just pulling off, like, the AMG trick from those AMG E-classes? They're just saying, like, well, my old AMG had drift mode, and I want a new car with, with any, drift mode? I don't think any vehicle needs drift mode. What's funny, no! What's funny, here's what's funny about drift mode, right? So, like, drifting is... I, I, f- it's a skill. Very, very high-level view of drifting is your vehicle oh. is no longer... You, you're outside the realm of grip, right? So you're you're controlling the vehicle as it slides sideways... And you're using, you know, weight transfer and 
managing traction and all that stuff. So it's it's kind of the definition of being out of control, but controlling yourself while you're out of control. Like I, I'm not, I don't, you're, you're obviously in control while you're drifting, but you're yeah. no longer relying on traction and grip. Like it's it's okay. a different type of driving. So the idea of like an electronically curated version of that feels very strange to me. Yeah, of course it. it- Takes the fun out of it, right? Yeah. But I also, like, I don't get the idea that maybe an owner of the vehicle would take their car to the, a GV60 to the track or like a skid pad. They're expecting this to be used in a, like, I don't want to call, I, like, a, 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 what's the best way to describe this? Like a, like a hooligan? Like a, like a hooligan manner? What I would be curious to know is. Well, how would you describe it? How long can you use drift mode before the battery overheats? Right. I'm not sure the battery is the is like I don't think that's the problem. I don't know. I'm not saying um, it's a problem, but I'm I just wonder if there's like do you get indefinite drift mode or does drift mode no. have kind of a a time? I think the the thing is see with the performance model, you've got these two equal power powered uh motors, one at the front and one at the rear. So I think it just turns off the one at the at the Front of the vehicle. Yeah, no, I know what it does, but it, it, it's it's creating a behavior that is theoretically going to be a full throttle behavior, right? Okay. Yeah. So it's going to be turning. It also has to turn off every other traction control that that's available. So you could theoretically generate a lot of heat while you're doing that. That's all. Yeah, that's I, all. I think you will generate a lot of heat, but I'm not sure it's it's enough to really. I mean, I, mean, I don't know. Maybe we should we should ask somebody because to I've driven, one or to drive one or to do something like that. I've driven gas powered cars that have overheated the differentials on the racetrack, and that's yes. not drifting. So I've I've driven all wheel drive powered vehicles in the snow, which we didn't drift that overheated their differentials. So yeah. I know what you're talking about. Um, the other thing about this car, it's got a 77 kilowatt hour battery. Uh, notably, this is not very large. It is a, exactly the same size as the other, I think the, the long range models of those, uh, platform mates that it has. But I think you're going to have to help me out here. I think the Mustang Mach-E, which is not a premium vehicle, has like an, uh, like almost a 90 kilowatt hour battery. I think it's 98 actually. Wow. That's- and other vehicles have, have really much bigger batteries. So as a result, you're, you're stuck with the rate, with a range in this performance model of about 235 um, miles, I believe. I'm, I'm going to double check to make sure that's correct. So the Maki, the all-wheel drive Maki, um, the one that I drove, I drove one recently, and it was all-wheel, all-wheel drive dual motor, and it was 312 miles of range. So yeah, what we've got is 235 miles. Um, What's interesting too, though, is I want to say I found this this to be interesting. The it's I drove a California Route One version of the car, and mm-hmm. it was originally only offered in rear wheel drive, and that was a three hundred and fourteen mile range. But when they added the all wheel drive, it only took two miles off the range, which is pretty right. impressive. That's not bad, yeah. Yeah. But two thirty five, and even if you get the non high performance version of this car, the advanced all wheel drive, you get two forty eight. I don't know. I think people just want to see a three in that first digit. Um, well, what is the what about the Ionic Five? I mean, don't those get up to three hundred nowadays? I'm not sure. I think they're at least two seventy though. Yeah, you're getting you're definitely getting closer to three. Yeah, um, it is strange. The advantage to this car is that it has the high speed charging, probably the highest speed charging that you can get um, in the industry right now uh, of three hundred and fifty kilowatts. I that will allow it to get to eighty percent from I think ten percent. In about 18 minutes, which is, you know what, honestly, very fast. Um, the only problem here, though, is you have to find a charger that has that feature and um, is working. Yeah, I think you have to hope problem. that you can 
you can uh, get that from that charger as well. Uh, you know, some chargers, they'll, they'll split the charge between two vehicles that are going. Um, yeah. Some chargers, for whatever reason, are capped at like a certain percentage of the maximum charge of a vehicle. Uh, yeah. So I think the maximum this- I've seen at a fast charger using a Mach-E was like 125, and the mach is rated at 150 for the larger battery cars. Yeah, same with me. I don't think I've ever seen more than that. Um, and most of the most re- most of the more reliable chargers I've used are are capped at fifty, anyways. And you know what's so odd I'm is like happy with that. something happened to me on the weekend was I was at a Electrify Canada charging station, and it, it advertises up to three hundred fifty kilowatts of charging. But if you dive down into the app, uh, let's say you're using a, an app like PlugShare, and it it there are three or four different chargers at the station, but only one of them is actually rated at three fifty. Yeah, and you have to know which one, and hopefully. It's that. available. It's not, it doesn't have a bolt attached to it, right? Like, yeah, which is, doesn't, doesn't go further than it 50. doesn't. I, I never saw anything advertising which ones were the fastest ones. Like you, you have to look at the model number of the, like the model number, the serial number of the charger and then match it to what you see on your app kind of deal. And there's, the, yeah. there's some other chargers that were kind of limited to like 50 kilowatts at the same station. So it's odd. I have seen them, um, marked on the charger, but at a different location. Um, and again, it's, it's subtle. You have to pay attention. Yeah. So all that to say is I didn't hate the car. I know that sounds like a lot of complaints. This car is extremely competent. It does everything well. It drives really nicely. Uh, no, definitely no complaints. It is actually fairly attractive. It had these massive wheels. I think they were 21-inch wheels. They were huge. They were gorgeous. Um, and the cabin is really done up with the same standard that we've, that we've seen in the um, G70 and GV70. I don't think it's as far as the G80 and GV80 and, and the G90, which are very special feeling vehicles, but it is worthy of the Genesis name in terms of design. And again, like I said, the price point is very, um, attractive under 70 grand for this thing. Um, and you're getting a lot of features, whether you like them or not. Uh, there's a lot there to kind of brag about, but and- uh, given everything you just said, though, would you yeah. choose this vehicle over a, over an, over an Ionic? This is the hardest question to answer, and it really depends on your feelings um, in terms of technology and in terms of the EV infrastructure. I think right now uh, I'm not as confident in the EV infrastructure, and I don't want to be saddled with something um, long-term that I don't know what the future will be like for, for an EV, right? And I think having a little bit more range will, will in, in one of the Ionic 5s will be nice. Ha- still having that fast-charging infrastructure will be good. Um, I don't think the performance is the thing I was really after, which is what the GV60 offers, or all of those fancy features. I, th- I think I want an EV that has good range, fast charging, and for a low price. And I think the Ionic 5 delivers that. Well, I don't, really I don't know. If, the, I wouldn't say the Ionic 5 has a low price. I think it's a reasonable price. A reasonable par- price. I actually, you're going to laugh at me. I actually think the Bolt is a really good deal. Um, and I think they're trying to get rid of all of these um, Bolts. Unlike discount, I think you can get one for really like possibly under thirty in some cases. But the, the range is not as good, and the charging is much slower. Buying a bolt means buying old technology, which is if you get a crazy bargain on it, fine. But kind of compared to some of the new stuff that's coming out, it's a little harder sell. And that's this is a vehicle that I also like. Um, it's funny. I, I think getting a bolt at that at a low price instead of paying twenty five percent more for one of these over like I don't know. I don't know. I would pay more for fast charging, no question. A friend of mine works at a, a GM dealership, and um, he was talking to me last night about bolts. And one of the other people he works with ordered a bolt a year ago, 
mm-hmm. and still hasn't received it uh. because of the stop sale and the recall that they had on the batteries, yeah. which were ca- causing fires, right? And he said the funny yeah. thing was they got all these instructions from Chevrolet saying, okay, you, you, you have to – if you have any bolts on the lot – you have to store them outside and away from buildings because they're a fire risk. But yeah. they're replacing the batteries, right? So the replace when they remove the old battery and put it, the instructions are to stack them five at a time inside a warehouse. Oh my goodness! So it's like these are only dangerous when they're inside the car, which seems yeah. unlikely. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm really having to, I'm really having a tough time accurately answer, like really accurately answering the question. I actually do think the Ionic Five is a is a solid product. I think you said that the EV6 is pretty good. I don't know if the GV6 makes enough of a leap from those two vehicles in a in a in an understandable way, like in a totally rational way. You really have to like the Genesis styling inside and out, those extra features that I found to be a little unnecessary. Um and you're willing to pay a little bit more for those. I don't think it's worth it, but you might. Like some people really might. Um, especially if they're, you know, they want to be coddled a little bit. Fair enough. I forgot to mention the weird massage seat. It has something called the ergo motion seat. It is not a massage seat, but it's made to help you not, not parts of your body fall asleep while you're driving. Okay. Is that weird? Does it like activate randomly while you're driving? It actually did. Yes. Wow. That is strange. I don't know how I feel about that. I think you could turn it off. You could turn off all these features. That's the best part about um, all these kinds of cars is uh, Genesis does make it re- reasonably easy to turn off all of these features, um, so you don't need to see them if you don't like them. Which I guess means that it's okay. So before we turn off talking about the GV60, is there anything else that you want to say? No. Is there any questions you want me to answer? No, I'm questionless. You've you've okay. covered so much ground. It's a cool. It's cool. Like I don't know. I don't know. I'm 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 really like uh, I'm reeling from it, right? Because that performance is unbelievable. It's very fast. I really like some of these EVs. Um, iX we talked about really impressive, uh, especially with its interior. It has a few gimmicks gimmicks of its own, but I think it makes up for it with in terms of uh, ranged performance and interior design. Um, and I think that if you're not one for gimmicks, that the mainstream models might actually be enough for you okay okay if you have any comments or questions for sammy or me there's an probably easy, you there's an easy honestly it's probably gonna be for you there's an easy way you can get in touch with me or sammy uh if you're of that persuasion um you can go to our website unnamed there is a contact form there you fill it out you click submit and it goes directly to our inbox alternatively you can find us online i am on instagram at hunting benjamin sammy prefers the cesspool that is twitter he is at sammy underscore hot like you're laughing or you can email us the old-fashioned way benjamin at benjaminhunting.com um additionally while you're at our website you can see our uh, past episodes there are so many past episodes to choose from uh so if you want to get started you want to see what we've written about each card there's links to that um that's really nice if you haven't subscribed to our podcast, you can really do that uh, on our website, unnamedautomotivepodcast.com, or you can do it right in your podcast client or pod, pod catcher, however you want to describe it. That's also very cool. Ben, next week is another fun week of, of cars. What are you going to talk about? I'm going to be talking about another end product. It's the Hyundai Kona N, and uh, as I hinted at earlier, it is the car that essentially uh, – we had a, a listener, Blake, um, he he and I were chatting about this on Instagram, and this is the car that essentially killed the Veloster, so I have very mixed feelings about it. <laughs> yeah, and I'll be driving the 
Volvo S90 Recharge. Oh, wow. Yeah. How do you like that? I like it. All right. So thank you for listening, everybody. Bye.